Chapter Six of the Forgery by George Payne Rainsford James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six. This shall be an exceedingly short chapter, merely destined to wind up that preliminary matter with which it was absolutely necessary for the reader to be made acquainted before perusing the real business of the tale. Another long lapse of nearly ten years must intervene before we take up any of the characters afresh and the reader will soon see how the preceding events connect themselves with those that follow the characters indeed were sadly diminished in number between the time at which the story opens and that to which i have now to proceed of the four children of the elder mr scriven only two survived lady fleetwood and mr scriven lady monkton survived her husband just ten years and then died very suddenly leaving her daughter maria the heiress of great wealth at the age of about twenty she was indeed a few months more when her mother was taken from her and mr scriven's guardianship had not long to run a fact with which that gentleman was not well pleased for besides the authority which the guardianship conferred and all men like authority the whole of the fortune which his sister isabella had received and the accumulated surplus of the rents of sir edward monkton's estates making together a very large sum remained in his hands and he found them exceedingly convenient nay more somewhat lucrative he clearly accounted for the interest upon every penny at a moderate rate but he did not think it at all necessary to state to maria or to calculate in any way except for his own private satisfaction and i do not know that he even did that all that he gained by turning and returning the funds of hers at his disposal that went under the general head of profits of business i am not aware whether this would be considered right fair and honourable in the mercantile world or not there is a good deal to be said on both sides of the question but certainly while he allowed as i have stated interest upon every penny that he received at the exact rate which that penny would have produced if invested in the public funds on the day that he received it he made sometimes twice sometimes three times that amount by the use of the money maria however knew nothing about this when she did come of age she passed the accounts as a matter of course and begged her uncle to continue to manage her affairs for her as he had been accustomed to do but when this source of anxiety had gone by mr scriven had another maria inherited all her mother's beauty she was a gay gentle girl with a natural cheerfulness of character generally predominating over and subduing occasional clouds of melancholy which might well be produced by the early death of parents deeply beloved lovely wealthy graceful engaging with a heart full of warm affections and a kind disposition it was more than probable that she would marry early indeed only wonderful that she had not already married then again she chose to reside during a great part of the year with her aunt lady fleetwood in london her aunt's house was the only proper place for her but still it made mr scriven somewhat uneasy for lady fleetwood was the kindest and best-intentioned woman in the world and though by no means what is called a matchmaker she had a very strong conviction which her own experience had not shaken in the least that marriage was the only state in which a woman could be really happy on this point mr scriven differed with her entirely 
and it was not at all pleasant to him to know that she was continually dinning her own system into maria's ears however there was no help for it and his only consolation was that his niece was fond of going down alone from time to time to bolton park which was kept up exactly in the same state as at lady monkton's death it was generally too at the time when london was fullest and gayest that maria chose to make her retreat and at bolton she saw no one but her neighbour lady anne mellant the similarity of whose situation to her own drew closer the bonds of early affection though their characters were very different it may be said in passing that lady anne had been longer an orphan at this time than maria for lord milford had not survived the death of his father many years and lady milford had died the christmas before her husband lady anne gay lively and decided in character had been left to the guardianship of mere men of business and soon set at defiance the trammels they endeavoured to impose upon her at eighteen she was as much mistress of her own house as if she had been eight-and-forty and although her old governess continued to live with her at the earnest request rather than the positive command of her guardians yet the very idea of governing anything never seemed to enter the good lady's head yet whether in resistance or compliance in the display of her independence or the exercise of her strong good sense there was so much good humour and even fun in lady anne mellant's manner that neither guardians nor relations could be angry there was one indeed of the former an old gentleman with a pigtail and powdered poll who would sit and laugh at her till the tears ran over his cheeks ever and anon putting on a grave face and proposing something to which he knew she would never consent merely to excite her resistance and always beginning now my dear young lady you really ought etc but whether serious or in jest lady anne always had her own way and her guardians often came to the conclusion that her own way was generally the right one there was an old maiden aunt of her mother's the only near female relative she had whom one of her father's executors thought fit to propose as a suitable person to live with her and keep up her establishment but lady anne at once replied indeed she shall not in the first place all the wine in the cellar would be turned sour in a fortnight in the next place she would spoil all my prospects of establishing myself for life as she herself calls it for by her own account she is a most dangerous rival and has had more proposals than ever i hoped to have and in the next place she would attempt to control me which neither she nor any other person ever shall do except my lord and master if i should some day happen to have such a thing in short lady anne mellant was a very pretty nice clever independent girl whom many people considered completely spoiled by fate fortune and her relations and who might have been so if a high and noble heart a kind and generous spirit and a clear and rapid intellect would have permitted it she loved and respected maria monkton who was a little older would often take her advice when she would take that of no other person frequently in conversation with others set her immeasurably above herself and yet would often call her to her face a dear gentle lovable poor-spirited little thing her last vagary before she came of age was to take a tour upon the continent 
with her old governess a maid and three men-servants her guardians would here certainly have interfered had she ever condescended to make them acquainted with her intentions but the expedition was plotted all her arrangements were made and she herself was in the heart of paris before they knew anything of the matter in writing to the old gentleman with the pigtails she said you will not be at all surprised to learn that i am here on my way to rome and naples and i think as i have nobody with me but mrs hughes and my maid and the other servants i shall enjoy my tour very much charles marston my old playfellow was here the other day and very delightful nearly as mad as myself he intends to go heaven knows where but first to damascus because it is the only place where one can eat plums if anybody asks you where i am you can say that i have run away with him and that you have my own authority for it then none will believe a word of it which they otherwise might send me plenty of money to milan for i intend to buy all rome and set it up in the great drawing-room at harley lodge as a specimen of the true antique enough however of the gay girl and almost enough of the chapter there is only one person i believe whom i have not mentioned sufficiently mr haley's fate was sad but not undeserved in vain fortune made a perverse effort to befriend him in vain matters turned out favourable which had once looked very dark the worm that perisheth not was in his heart and it consumed him he strove to establish a prosperous business for himself separated from mr scriven and he succeeded to a certain extent but he had no spirit to attend to anything long he neglected everything himself his affairs the affairs of others his friends acquaintances his own person he became slovenly in habits and appearance people said he drank business fell off correspondence would not trust him and after a struggle of eight years he retired upon a pittance gave himself up to intemperance went mad died such was the end of one to whom not twenty-four years before had been opened a brighter career than his hopes had ever pictured the reader may not exactly see how several of the characters and events which have passed across the stage in this phantasmagoria can have any influence upon the story that is to follow but let him wait patiently and he will see that not one word which has been written could have been properly omitted and for the present let him remember that just four-and-twenty years and a few months had passed since the death of the elder mr scriven so that his son was now a man of middle age and his only surviving daughter approaching her grand climacteric and his grandson charles marston was now twenty-four and his granddaughter maria monkton not quite twenty-two chapter six